We've been studying the Gospel of John. In the Gospel of John, Jesus has been teaching, but he's been concentrating his teaching on who he is, not what he does and what we should do. In response to that teaching, there are three major responses. One, you reject it and walk away. Two, you want to change who he is. Or three, by faith, you accept who he is by his statements. We're going to take a look this week at two of those three responses as his disciples choose to believe or not. Come and see. This is a great day. You know why it's a great day? Because we're going to talk about Jesus. We've been taking a look at the Gospel of John. The reason that we were taking a look at the Gospel of John through this study is that we are searching for and finding and strengthening faith. The Gospel of John, Jesus, his teaching has primarily been about who he is. In the other Gospels, they teach about who he is, but they teach a lot of other things. Like, for instance, Matthew early on talks about the Sermon on the Mount and how we should live our lives and those types of things. Mark was very much about Jesus in action and and moving and doing and miracles. And in Luke, trying to convince the Gentiles who Jesus is, and talking about both his teaching and his actions and his miracles. The Gospel of John is concentrated initially up to this point and on about faith, not in faith, but faith in Jesus, who Jesus is. And so Jesus has been talking and teaching that he is the bread of life, that he is the living water, that he is all of these things, that he is the I am, that he has been sent by the Father, and that he is equal to the Father. So he concentrates on that teaching because it is important for us to first know who he is and who we are to place our faith in. And there are about three major ways to respond to that teaching. One of the responses is to reject it, to walk away from it. And we're going to see that even his, many of his disciples will take that option. We see pretty much the world has adopted that option of, of rejecting who he has taught himself as. The other option is to change his teaching and who he is. And unfortunately, we find that in many churches. They would rather talk about his lowliness or his unacceptance or all these other things that they want to talk about and how whatever he talked about wasn't really what he said was something else. And we try to change who he is. And the third option is to, by faith, accept that teaching of who he is. Of those three, we're going to see in 
John chapter 6, starting with uh, verse 59. The two responses that many of his disciples choose. And so in verse 59 of chapter 6, it says, These things he said in the synagogue as he taught in Capernaum. So what we've been hearing him teach isn't something he's been out and feel. He's teaching in a synagogue. He's teaching where the Jews are because he said salvation comes from the Jews and he is into the Jews first and then to the Gentiles. So he's teaching who he is in the synagogue. And therefore, many of his disciples, when they heard this said, this is a difficult or Others would translate it, a hard statement. Who can listen to it? Now, this response is because Jesus said, and that we took a lot last week, is that you must eat his flesh and drink his blood. And we heard them talk between themselves what he meant, rather than asking the source what he meant. And so they grumbled and they said, you know, this is a really Difficult statement. This is really hard. Well, we basically can't accept this. But but Jesus, conscious that a number, I'm sorry, conscious that his disciples grumbled at this, said to them, does this cause you to stumble? So he asked them the question, gives them the opportunity to say, to respond, yes, it, we don't understand what you mean. Please Fill it out. Give us more explanation so that we can understand what you mean. So he gives them the option, but they don't take it. As a matter of fact, he does something that Jesus does that, that I wouldn't have done. As he then says, what then if you see the Son of Man ascending where he was before? So he's going, okay, you're having a difficult time accepting my teaching. The crowds were asking, well, what sign do you do to show who you are, that you are the bread of life and all these things? And he's going, okay, here's a sign. What if you actually see me rising up to heaven again? He offers them a sign. Now the disciples who will follow him later, after his crucifixion and resurrection, will see this very thing. So you would think because of these people and these people who've been following in the crowds, who've been seeing the miracles and seeing the things who said, yeah, show us that. And then we can believe. But Jesus says, it is the spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. The reality is, Miracles do not produce faith. Faith and then miracles make, create a confidence in faith. But people who have no faith after seeing a miracle will still have no faith. And that's what bothers me about a number of churches who will do all these miracle services and whatever, They're not producing faith. They're producing a show. Producing that which people will never 
really grasp as faith because they saw a miracle of a healing or whatever. The miracle that ought to prove that Jesus is exactly who he said he was and is, was the resurrection. The rest is icing on the cake. But he's saying, unless the Spirit, because the Spirit is the one who gives life and the flesh profits nothing, but people want to live on in the flesh. They want a good life. They want an easy life. And Jesus says, no, no, listen to the Spirit, because I have spoken to you our spirit and life. But there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were who did not believe and who it was who would betray him. You see, Jesus was fully aware of those who follow in faith and those who follow to see the signs and the miracles and those who are going to betray him. But he doesn't even reject them during that period of time. He allows them to continue following him, but he doesn't change his teaching. He doesn't change who he is. As a matter of fact, he doubles down. He says, I am the bread of life. I am this. I am that. And he continues on not changing his sermons, if you will, his statement and his witness of who he is because the crowd does or does not accept. And churches need to learn that as well. Whether there's a large crowd or a small crowd, the point is Jesus is the Son of God, and we're to teach that and preach that whether the world likes it or not. And as he was saying, for this reason I have said to you that no one can come to me unless it has been granted him from the Father. Jesus again makes the same statement. Those who come to me, come to me because the Father has granted it. Those who don't come to me, don't come to me because the Father hasn't granted it. Now, if that's Jesus' understanding, if that's Jesus' acceptance of success or unsuccess in ministry, maybe we should do the same thing. We should be true to his teachings regardless of the response. Because it's his teachings, not ours. Because his teaching is about who he is. And unfortunately, in our culture today, no one wants to know about who Jesus is. It's how Jesus relates to me. How I'm such a wonderful person that Jesus couldn't. He had had to have me in heaven and therefore he died for me because I'm so wonderful. And is it? And and after I stop telling you how I'm so wonderful, I want you to tell me how, so, how I'm wonderful. We're so narcissistic in this society. We can't stop looking at our phones and making selfies of our dinner. I don't care what you ate for dinner. I don't care if it was prime rib or broccoli. Don't care. And I see... I see when I, I look on the various things, how many celebrities, especially with people, who will take pictures of themselves looking at their cell phone. They're so narcissistic that they can't stop looking at themselves while they're having pictures of themselves. 
We don't change because they're narcissistic. We say Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus came to save us. Jesus came to die for us and to raise from the dead. He is the Son of God. It's about Him. And it's the fact is that God so loved me and you that He brought us to Jesus. As a result of this, many of his disciples withdrew and were not walking with him anymore. You see, Jesus up to this point was very popular because he was performing miracles. He was healing people. He was providing bread and fish to crowds. He was doing awesome things. He was teaching things. And all of a sudden, because of his hard statements and difficult teachings, they decided, many of them, to walk away. You see, they failed to understand who he is. And because they didn't like his teaching, they walked away from him. And there are a lot of people today who don't like his teaching and therefore walk away from him, which is so sad. Now, up to this point, he's been teaching about who he is. Now, there are a lot of teachings, not about who he is, but how we're supposed to live, that I'm not thrilled with. One of the things is he taught us that even in the prayer, Father, forgive me of my sins and trespasses as I have forgiven others. No, no, I don't like that. Just forgive me. My forgiveness should not be dependent upon how I forgive you. Because God knows you shouldn't be forgiven, but I should. And I don't like the aspect he said that I'm supposed to love you as he loved you. I don't even like the fact that I'm supposed to love you as I love myself. Because I'm almost narcissistic there. I think I'm a wonderful person. I, I'm, I'm funny. I laugh at my jokes. I think you ought to listen to what I have to say. I think I'm brilliant. I have a hard time thinking of you that way. There are a lot of teachings that he teaches But ultimately, his teachings are irrelevant if he's not who he teaches about who he is. And if he is the Son of God, and he is, then we ought to pay attention to what he says and what he does and what he say we ought to do and say. So they walked away. The second option that is not brought up. And instead of walking away, people change what he teaches. And we see that, unfortunately, in many churches today. So Jesus said to the 12, you do not want to go away also, do you? So the 12, who we ultimately will call the disciples, who we ultimately call the apostles minus one, he says, 
You want to go. Why are you still here? Pointed question. Do you want to leave too? Simon Peter answered him, Lord, whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. I'm not too sure how Peter says this, but I think it's more passionate than I just read it. Because Peter makes a statement that says, if you're not it, there's nowhere else to go. Paul phrases a little different and says, if Jesus isn't who he said he was, of all men, of all people, we are most miserable. Because we live this life in sacrificial living because he said so. Because we believe that our sins are forgiven. And if he's not who he said he was, then we are still in our sin and we've gained nothing. But Peter says, there is no other option. When I think of this phrase, that's why I said, I think it's passionate. There's a movie, and most of you probably don't remember it because you're not that old. I didn't care that much for the movie overall, but there was a scene in it that has always impacted me. And the movie was an officer and a gentleman. Wasn't that thrilled with the movie? I didn't like some of the decision. But in the scene that is the main character, and I think his name is Mayo or something, I don't remember. He was basically a loser and he quit everything. But he joined the military because he wanted to fly and whatever. And his master sergeant believed he was a loser and whatever and didn't want him in the military and tried everything that he could to get him to walk out, to quit. And he did extra physical things or whatever. And there's a scene where he's doing these things. It's right. And while he's doing it, he goes and keeps saying, you need to walk, quit, walk out, quit. And he goes, and his statement was, I can't because I have nowhere else to go. And that should be our feelings about who Jesus is. Not all, he's our wonderful savior. He's our, no, no, we have nowhere else to go. If Jesus isn't who he said he was. Because he has eternal words of life. You see, we don't just live this life passively. We should just live this life passionately because of who he is. And so Jesus, Lord, Peter says to Jesus, we have nowhere else to go. Because you have the words of, of eternal life. But then he makes another great statement. We have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. You see, Peter comes to true faith because he's not believing just what Jesus says, but he believes in who Jesus is. And we will not have true faith strong faith, lasting faith, until we have come to the conclusion of exactly who Jesus is. 
And that's why it frustrates me so much to hear churches and to see advertisements all talking about who Jesus is, and they're not talking about who Jesus is. They're not talking about that he is the Holy One of God. They just want you to feel good. They want you to think that he relates to you. He relates to you as he took your sin and your shame upon himself. So that you might have the righteousness of God. Not because you're a warm fuzzy. Not because you deserve it. But because our God is that awesome. Jesus answered them, did I not myself not choose you, the 12, and yet one of you is a devil? Jesus says, the reason that you have come to faith is the Father chose you and I chose you because the Father chose you. Except one. And Jesus, again, never backed down from the fact. See, Jesus, not just on the night that he was betrayed, has told them that there was one who would betray them. So, should we be surprised when we are in a church collectively or in the church universally of people who betray him? Does he walk with them as well? As Jesus will teach, we wait because we don't necessarily know who the wheat and who the tares are. But when it becomes abundantly understandable during the harvest, that's when the tares and the wheat will be separated. Now he meant Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, for he, one of the twelve, was going to betray him. So today, and every day, We have a choice. We can follow the crowd, the many, not understanding who he is and not liking what he teaches to walk away. Quite frankly, I prefer that to the ones who try to change who he is in his teaching. Or... We can be like Peter and say, I have nowhere else to go. God, if you're not who you say you are, then I'm doomed. I have no hope. I have no chance. But I know that you are the Holy One of God. That the Father sent you. And therefore, I will take my stand for you. The world can say no. I will say yes. Our families may say no. I will say yes. The church may say no. And I will say yes. Because I, and I hope you, understand we have nowhere else to go. Because he's the Holy One. He's the Son of God. He was there in existence when creation was started, and he will be the one who comes back with those who have faith in him and who are no longer with us, and those 
who are with us when he returns would join him. Because he is who he said he was and is, and he will do what he said he's going to do. And we will take a stand and answering that question that we first saw back early. When I return, will I find faith on the earth? And I pray at least this one. And I pray that you as well who are here and you who are seeing me on the various ministries will say, yes, he will find at least me taking a stand. And all God's people said, 